hello and welcome to episode 83 of Yagma's Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast for you, the community. Ah! <laughs> Voice on the radio. I'm Andy, a.k.a. Montolio, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Zach, a.k.a. Abstract, and Josh, a.k.a. Cronin. How are you fellows doing tonight? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. How are you, Zach? Hey, I'm doing good, buddy. Thank you for asking. How's our colorful buddy Andy over there with the voices? How you doing, man? Uh, doing fantastic, guys. Really good to be here tonight. What have you guys been up to lately? Uh, I lost round two. What'd you do, Josh? Yeah, I did the same. Cool. So there you have it. Oh. Well, we have a pretty good show for today, as usual. We're going to be looking at our classic invitational qualifier number three, which is uh, well underway. We're going to go through the round two results, do some deck analysis, of course, and we'll be looking at some of the round three pairings, which, of course, our breakdown, which is analysis of of the match of the week, and it's going to be two CME clannies this time, and the Wild Moon Con, and we'll be doing our vintage view, and we'll be looking at a doomsday build today, and, of course, our community spotlight featuring Vatha. We've got our classic challenges, and of course, we've got lots of featured matches from CQ Invitational or Qualifier, excuse me. And yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good show. With no further ado, why don't you take us right in there, Zach? Definitely, buddy. So, round two, we started off with uh, one of our co hosts here, Mr. Cronin, against the crispy one. And uh, why don't you give us a breakdown on how what 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 went down? Well, game one, uh, you know, pretty tough to be Dredge. Um, I think he stripped most things out of my hand and came down to my only hope being that he would go to one card. He dredged himself down to three, and I would have been able to mystical for a balance, but. That one wasn't to be, and uh, game two, I won with Vault Key, and then game three, I did a turn one Tinker for Blightsteel, which he bounced, and then I ended up being able to tutor for a Time Vault and Voltaic Key, but I died to Mana Crypt in my extra turns, so... I had the lockdown, but uh, just couldn't finish the game out. I was short green mana. I had an oath in my hand. Oh, that's rough, dude. Yeah. You know. He had the answer he needed, so. And I was able to hard cast a ley line that I drew later, which kept me alive for a while. Definitely. Well, it's it's always tough to take the losses. I got I, I definitely got one too. Yeah, sounds sweet. Yeah. So uh, who we got next? Next up, we got Philip J. Fry on land still against Bald Eagle on rest in peace combo, and looks like Bald or Philip J. Fry managed to take that one down. Very nice. Next up is myself on Metalworker Stocks, and I played Caliban with Affinity. And, of course, I drew Affinity second round. Um, I was able to win this one. Uh, it was the first time I've ever beaten Affinity in competitive play with 
with the stocks build. So it was a pretty big hurdle for me. And yeah, uh, the videos actually was in last week's podcast. We'll that one to view it or they can go to our YouTube site to see it, Clear Magic Eternal. But long story short, uh, Metal Worker was the key to victory for me in my, my two games there. Basically one game I think I was able to combo them out with the, the staff metalworker combo and the other one I just had um, a whole bunch of um, worm coil engines going and lodestone golems and was just over able to overwhelm the opponent so it was, uh, it was a good game for me very cool bud well it's definitely nice to see you winning uh, that's your your baby and you're crushing people with it I guess affinity is never fun man I, I, was, I was watching your games and it was like uh, it was like you 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 were like the Hulk flexing out of your shirt a little bit because you're like, look at your little puny men. Watch this kind of a thing. It was Double a, worm coil. Yeah. It was it was pretty impressive. Well, appreciate that. It was uh, really, it came down to me getting quite good draws. Uh, I basically was having God draws every turn and, and got lucky in the fact that my opponent didn't have a revoker because had he had a revoker, it would have been a whole different game on my metal worker. So... Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Pretty happy to be sitting at 2-0. and Well, really great job. Thank you, sir. So, up next we've got Call Me Dragon on Oath against Clan May Kaunos on a Green Blue Gush build. And Call Me Dragon won that one with his Oath. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I mean... And next up... Cal knows, Cal knows Gush is... Uh, he, he has a bunch of creatures, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's just kind of rough versus Oath in general, so... Goyfs and Lotus Cobras and... Yeah. He does have Trigon's main, which is kind of nice, but... Yeah, it's usually a bit too slow. Yeah, quite often. Yeah, yep. I was just going to say the same thing. Often that's a little difficult to get those things going against a resolve, though. Yeah, you got to counter the so, first one. Yeah. So next up here, we've got the Maniac on his uh, green, white, black hate build, and he played against Gains Banding with his Affinity build, and I don't think it's a huge surprise here that uh, the Maniac was able to win that with all you know, the hate that he's got that main deck and more so sideboard, so... Always happy to see Affinity lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. No offense, Gaines Banding, but you brought the enemy to the tournament. <laughs> so after that, we've got another clan mate, Wild Dog on uh, Rug Delver versus Nagar Juna on Forge Master Stacks. And looks like the wild dog managed to get through the stacks player. So, yeah, I guess. do you guys have... Does Nurkujana have a lot of sphere effects in his deck? Um, Still linked up. Yeah, he's got thorns and spheres. Okay, he's got the lodestone and chalices. Yeah, so... He's got... Um, Four spheres, yeah, four thorns. So he does have the full complement, actually. Yeah, that's. I, I quite often find that's usually a die roll thing. Versus uh, versus Delver, if you can win the die roll and get something like a chalice down or a sphere, that usually inhibits them enough to disrupt them and win. But yeah, 
as we've said many times, the Wild Dog's a great player, and you know, not a surprise there. Even though his name's Josh. Yeah, terrible <laughs> name, but great players. <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> so up next we have uh, the Wolf 2, and uh, he's playing against Doza the OG. Doza Theog. <laughs> and, of course, Affinity overwhelmed the deck with other creatures because they didn't have as many crappy creatures as Affinity can literally projectile diarrhea onto the table. Um, not a big surprise. You guys, any any surprise there? No, it's it's a deck that are set up well to beat, I think. Cards like Abrupt Decay just aren't really good enough to get it done against Affinity. Yeah, one for one's rough. Yep. And even I mean, a sideboard options. Does have that one main deck, uh, Steel Sabotage, it's got some Maelstrom Pulses, that sort of thing. But as Josh says, Spot Removal is just never quite good enough against Affinity, so no surprise. Yeah, he's probably better against a regular stacks build with stuff like Ingot Chewer in the sideboard. Absolutely. So next up here, we've got Huffy Henry on Merfolk, and he played against Ilskin, who actually won the match with Shoth. And yeah, this is my experience with Merfolk versus Oath builds. Is quite often it's uh, it's kind of a fifty-fifty match. You know, if you've got the Oath on the table early, you can do well. If you don't, then uh, Merfolk can typically run you over pretty quickly. So I don't know what yeah. you guys think about that match. I've seen it come down to Dragon's Breath a lot of times, just because even if you oath up your creature, you can't block usually because you've got a blue land on the table and they've got Island Walk. So usually that Dragon's Breath is really important in that matchup. Yeah, I mean... For sure. Honestly, Merfolk usually has the matchup advantage in that one, I think. I, I really do. I think Merfolk's just better suited to kill you faster being a blue deck than Shoth is, which is saying something, because Shoth is really fast, but Merfolk has land disruption and counter spells and everything else, so that's while they're playing 4-4 Merfolk. Uh, But, you know, it's pretty surprising. I'm I'm happy to see Shoth win, but yeah, I think Merfolk has generally a good matchup. I would have picked him going in, I think. And this is not a channel version of Shoth, I don't think. Yeah, it's GG, right? Yeah, it's just got a couple show-and-tell main. One Dragon's Breath. So it's not quite as fast as some versions, which is makes it even more surprising that he could power through that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, up after that, we've got Mooncon on Good Game Oath against Blyven, who is on Four Color Delver. And Oath managed to take that one down as well. Clan on clan violence in that one. Well, I tell you, it's always funny, like, some of our comments sometimes. Do you remember the guy who says, why do you call it 4C Delver? You only have a black card in the sideboard. And you're like, yep, that's the fourth color. Yep. (laughs) That's what I think every time I see 4C Delver now. Um, I think my response was 3 plus 1 equals 4. So that's always fun. Uh, anyway, 
clan on clan violence. I mean, you can't really root either way. It's it's nice to see one of us win and one of us lose and sucks, but whatever. It's uh it's moving on. I'm this round. I think all of us are playing Magic Eternal guys except for Andy. So, um, yep. Lots of clan on clan violence coming next week, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just rough. So, Zach, what do you think of this next one? Yeah, next was me flashing my rectum at Planet Walls with his R.I.P. combo. And uh, those really exciting games, I'll say that. And like I said in our in our clan post, I think it's probably almost karmic for me saying I thought I had the matchup advantage. Um, game one, it really came down to me going off with Force of Will and thinking I had enough. And he had a second Force of Will in... The rough part about that was I think he was at five cards when I started to combo out. He forced the will down to three, of course. And then he brainstormed, I want to say, in between. Or maybe he didn't, but then he just played the second force of will, and I just, like, I knew that was it because that that was it. Um, game two, he actually had two force of wills again. I, uh, I got through it for the win. Uh, you can watch all this on his channel. I think he has it posted. Um, game three was a real heartbreaker. Uh, we played the counterspell battle again. Uh, shows force of will. And eventually later in the game, I finally, um, resolve a show and tell. And in my hand, I have a combo that wins the game right there, which was omniscience and Yogmoth's bargain. And when show and tell resolved, that's when the decision had to be made. And normally it's trying to get that resolved as the decision, but. It got through, and I thought, all right, I'm going to win right now. And I put the Omniscience down instead of the Yawgmoth's Bargain. And it cost me dearly, because in response, he put down the uh, Detention Sphere, took the Omniscience, and totally neutered me. I'd boarded in Serenities, and I was really prepared even for that, and I never hit him. Uh, late in the game, I finally did get uh, Omniscience out with the Bargain, and... I was at five life at that point. I drew four cards. I didn't find it. And the fifth card at one life was balanced, and I lost. But it was rough, and you gotta gotta go to the next one. But yeah, that one that was that was tough, dude. I took my yeah, come up. And it's always exciting yeah, to get that bargain down with the omniscience. Yeah. I, I can't say that I would have done not as much different. when you're at five life, but. Yeah, I mean that's the it's thing. Hard when you only have five life, right? Yeah. What What do you guys have? You guys seen the match? Yeah, I did watch yeah. it. Well, would you have put the omniscience down or the bargain down? Well, once the show and tell got through, I probably would have just put the omniscience down. Andy. Well, I think I probably would have went with the omniscience. I mean, you know, hindsight's everything, right? I mean, uh, he's only got two of those detention spheres in his entire deck, and I don't think I would have anticipated that because if you that omniscience resolved, that was his game because you're just going to bring in your Yogmoss bargain for free, and you're just going to win right there. Whereas bargain doesn't necessarily guarantee you the win if you play that out. Yeah, and it's it's weird because right. I mean, I. I I, I just think it's weird because, like, in hindsight, that's the whole difference in the match. That one play right there. And, I mean, it was definitely the wrong play. If I if I thought about it more and you look at the deck lists, 
that's his only out at that point, and it's still valid because he has cards in his hand. So I think I played it wrong, because what are the chances then? If you resolve bargain, yeah, you don't immediately win, but you draw Mystical Tutors, you can get a Bounce, you can get a Vendicate, you can get your combo off, you can get a Jace. I mean, you can do all kinds of crazy things. So in hindsight, it was definitely the wrong play. You see, I don't know that I necessarily agree with you, though, Zach, because you can look at it in this way, all right? What if he had a force of will? Okay? You know, he has got a high, higher probability of hitting a force of will to stop that play. And your your omniscience is not nearly as good as the uh, the Yogmoth's bargain. If you got that Yogmoth's bargain countered, then you're in trouble. Right? He has a higher probability of hitting that. The show and tells are the force of wills. But, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I think force of wills really off the table at this point because he didn't counter the show and tell. He absolutely. Th- see, and that's what's yeah, stupid. If, if if I thought about it, if I thought about it more, he didn't counter the show and tell. So even if I had one of our other combos like Emrakul or Blightsteel, I should have had the foresight to realize he does have an answer even for those post show and tell. And that's, I, I mean, like, that's where you got to, you know, that's where I look at my game and I think I got to get better. You know what I mean? Because that was, that was on me. Um, I can say I was unlucky all I want, but that was definitely on me. And next time, next time I'll play it right. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yep, that deck you guys it. are playing is very complex. I mean, every, every single solitary move you make with that deck is so critical. Like having played it, uh, you know, several times now, I, it's extremely intricate. Every play matters. It's, it's not an autopilot deck. Yeah, and to keep every possible effect that could have occurred right there in mind is not an easy thing to do. But yeah, I guess in hindsight, playing the bargain would be the correct play, and just waiting for the win. The next turn. Yeah, absolutely. You you get the bargain down. Even if he has that card, you can still trigger it in response and draw. Well, I, I, honestly, like in that situation, I would have probably drawn eight eight plus cards. Yep. But, yeah. Anyway, moving on. I'll I'll, I'll wipe wipe off my pants and get to work. Um, who we got next? We got Duranoff with Omni Show against uh, Thorm with Red Blue Sniper. And it looks like the sniper deck took down Omni Show. Surprised? Uh, yeah, Thorm's got a lot of counter magic, but uh, still seems like a the more broken blue deck could push through that. Yeah, well, having seen this deck, I actually watched uh, round three tonight uh, with the sniper deck, and it's it's pretty powerful. If he gets one of those gutter snipes out there, they're his deck is just loaded with one cast and cost spells, and it deals a whole boatload of damage, and it's still got the control facet to it. So, um, you know, it goes back to this Duranoth have the combo pieces, and, you know, how easily disruptable is this combo? Because if it does get disrupted, Thorm, it's not a surprise that Thorm can roll over him quickly. It deals a lot of damage fast. Yeah. <laughs> After that, we've got. Nosferatu stuff on Slaver Stacks against Enderfall on uh, three-color control. And I think Scott posted about this match, and he said uh, 
at one point he activated Liliana and uh, Nosferatu stuff discarded Mindslaver with a welder already on the table. So, yeah, uh, things things did not go well for him in this one. That was game three too. That, that was, yeah, I mean, that was backbreaking. That was a good game. Wait, what? Yeah. So wait, did he have a welder and no other creatures? Yeah, he had a welder. Well, he had an artifact. I'm not sure why he couldn't minus Liliana. That's that's exactly what I'm wondering. Is why don't you kill the welder? Yeah, I don't know what the no, board state was at that point. He had, two, he had two welders. He had two welders and another creature as well. I mean, the, the minus had no relevance on the board whatsoever. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it didn't make much difference. Now that might have been the right play to minus. It's <laughs> the discard value game for him. But uh, anyways, uh, next up we've got NSCU thirty one SB on his Metal Worker stacks versus Naoto, and Naoto took this home with his Testerator build. Test which is, uh, looks like a which is similar to match similar match to what you played against Naoto then. But, uh... Yeah. You locked him out in yours. Naoto. Yeah, Naoto had some difficulty with my deck. I'm interested to, to find out. Naoto usually posts his matches, so I'd be interested to know how that one came to be. But, you know, looking at an SEU's deck, it's not too, too far off my build. It's got a couple different bullets on me, but... Yeah, well done, Naoto. Next up, we have Blue Diamonds on Good Game Oath, and he's playing against Bizarre Baghdad on Helmline. Um, looks like Good Game Oath took it. I didn't really see any of this match. Do you guys see it? No, I didn't. No. <clears throat> well, rough beats for Ben. I think uh, I think that's 0-2. So, uh, Good Game Oath took him out. Uh, he's really, really... Go big or go home style with his deck, so I assume that just means something probably got countered. Um, that's rough, man. We'll see what happens next week, but congrats to Blue Diamonds. Up next, we've got another one of our matches that we've got recorded, and it's Clanmate Back Goods on Stacks versus Galliant on Slivers. It's a pretty interesting match. About four minutes long, I think. And, uh, yeah, Backgoods plays a couple spheres and a couple worm coils, and and that pretty much does it. A couple lodestones in a game, and. Yeah. I still no more to say about that. I still think <laughs> Lodestone Golem is behind Workshop the most broken card. It's the only card, well, not the only card, but it's the most predominant card in all the decks that run Workshop, from Affinity to Combo Stacks to Metal Worker Stacks to 18 Sphere Stacks to Panther Stacks. Everyone loves Lodestone Golem. That card's ridiculous. Yeah. Lockdown and Kill Condition in one is ridiculous. Yep. It's a beauty. There's no doubt about One of the most important. Not a lot of Zach. No way. So, uh, who we got next? So here? next up, 
We got Uvatha on his Divmagus Delver build, and he actually drew versus Turbo with his Infect build. So not too much to say about that one. I like that Niv Majors deck. I, I want to see it in action once. I've played with that card yeah, Unlimited. Like that's actually pretty yeah. funny. It's an interesting card. Yeah, it's 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 not good by any means, but it's not bad if that means anything. <laughs> but that's from a limited perspective. Yeah. And up after that, we've got uh, W.D. Grant on Dredge against Wampooth with his Spy Combo deck. And Dredge managed to win that one, which that must have been a pretty interesting match. They're both very fast combo decks, so... Yeah, Good to see a new guy on the scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking Cabal Therapy could be significant in that match, disrupting his combo. Because that Definitely. one of the stack is the spike was very, very fast. Like that's a that's like um a belcher fast. Like it can it can beat you turn one. Turn two. Yeah. It has a belcher in the sideboard. Yeah, but just like Belcher, it's got to get those pieces. Uh, and I think that's inherent disadvantage as compared to Dredge, which just needs one piece. We always talk about it. You know what I mean? This guy yep. needs the kill yep. condition, he needs the mana, and he needs a way to get the mana cast. You know what I'm saying? So that's three pieces. Yep. Yeah, it's good to see a new guy come into the format and play a real deck and be able to win some matches. So congrats to W.D. Grant. Plus one. Definitely. So after that, yeah, we've got, got Digi-Digi84 on his three-color fish against Fishy Fellow on Shoth. And Shoth took that one down. Yep. Which I guess, you know, Oath against Creatures is pretty good. I've heard that works. Yeah. So uh, after round yeah. two, we got a pretty diverse field. We got some two O's, some one ones, and some O twos. So uh, see what happens next round. In the next round, we'll go through these real quick. We got uh, the Wolf two on Affinity versus the Crispy one on Dredge. Always fun to see two decks we hate. Who we got next? Yeah, that's. That'll be uh, myself versus Planet Walls, Metal Worker Stacks versus the RIP Combo. And we got Wild Dog against Mooncon, which we're featuring this week. Very cool. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Next up, we have Colony Dragon on Oath versus the Maniac on Junk Hate. And then Philip J. Fry on Landstill against Ilskin on Shoth. And we've got First Alpha on his outline versus Nostrifer's stuff on Slaver Stacks. And on my match, we have Kaunos on uh, Simic Gush against me, always flashing my rectum. <laughs> and it's Doza Theog. The OG. On 3C Delver against Blue Diamonds on Good Game Oath. And we've got Caliban on Affinity versus Backguds on his Espresso Stacks build. Then, you know what we got? We got Cronin flashing his rectum 
all over Duranoth run an Omni show. Can you believe it? He's trying to show it to me, but I've already flashed my rectum. <laughs> oh dear. Up after that, it's Negger Juna against For- or on Forge Master Stacks against WD Grant on Dredge. Bald Eagle on R.I.P. Cobble versus Games Banding on Affinity. Naoto on Tesserator versus Bliven731 on 4C Delver. That is the fourth color. Well, his actually does have four colors, to be fair. So whoever's going to debate that with me can just stop now. Um, then it's Thorm on Blue Red Sniper and Fishy Fellow on Choke. Followed by Kuribo on Infect and against Bizarro Baghdad. Followed by Uvatha on Niv Magus Delver against Galliant on Slivers. There you have it. I feel so stepped upon. I feel stepped on that you just butted me up there. That was a real jerk move, but it's, I guess, something we've come to expect from Cronin, a.k.a. Josh. I just thought it was a strange part of the podcast, so I just moved through it. Well, thanks for that segue, jerk. Yeah, I'm great. So who's going to take us into the breakdown tonight, fellas? You are. We've got an exciting match. All right. So we got two clanmates here tonight, and we're going to break down this match a little bit. We've got the Wild Dog on his Gush Delver build, and we've got Mooncon on his Good Game Old build. What are your guys' thoughts on this? This is going to be a good match. Yeah, it looks interesting. Um, you know, they've both got good answers for each other in the sideboard. Or Mooncon's got the four abrupt decays, which has become popular in Oath to take care of the Graft Digger's cage. And uh, yeah. Lord knows the Wild Dog can just combo off with Gush at some point and and go for the kill that way. So pretty good clan on clanny on clanny action here. Yeah, yeah, and Moon or the Wild Dog does have the tendrils kill in his deck if he does get the combo going. So he's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything in his deck. What do you think, Zach? I think it's going to be exciting. I think this is one of these matches where you're going to watch it on the edge of your seat, and it's going to be really haymaker after haymaker because both of these guys are good. Um, both of these decks are strong. Good game oath can be ridiculous. Uh, good game always comes into play with the two dragons breath, which basically can mean game over. Game over the first time oath uh, goes off, and uh, on the other side, like you're talking about. Josh needs about three turns before he can really start hammering down on the gushes. You know, he's got to typically tutor down for that fast bond if he's going to combo off. If he's not going to combo off and he's going to play it more, uh, more, I guess, close to the vest, uh, he's going to be dropping small creatures and just uh, eventually overwhelming him with still the possibility to combo off. So I, I think it's going to be a good match either way. Um, We've talked often how good a player Josh is, and uh, Paul Mooncon also a good player. Yeah, this is, once again, this is what I would think a pretty even match. I'm not sure I would sway either way on this one, but uh, they've got the same amount of counter magic. And, you know, a card that I think could actually break this match open, wide open for that matter, is the fact that Paul's running three Library Alexanders in his deck. 
you know, if if the wild dog has a bit of a slow start and he does cheat on land a little bit, and mind you, so does uh, a Mooncon for that matter, but those libraries what? can get ridiculous as we all know. I'm not cheating on land. The wild dog? 21 He's land. That's so much land for Gush. Usually Gush is 16 to 18. Well, that's true. For a Gush build, yes. <laughs> well, that's true. Because, you know, the big deal, and, and the reason that's so important, the uh, difference between 18 and 21 is 3, and this guy's running 3 wastelands and a strip mine, and that's a pretty good answer to a Library of Alexandria. Having stuff like uh, Brainstorm, Gush, uh, just ways to just interact. See, the problem is that Wild Dog, and, and I do think this is a big problem, unless he gets, um, is he running Dark Confidant? No? Yeah, I don't. I don't no. see any must counter spells from the Wild Dog besides Fast Bond, and an early query on Dryad. And that scares me with Library of Alexandria because that's gas to the max. If you don't have anything, you got to counter. That's the one thing that I feel nice about with with uh, with the deck that we're running. There are so many spells you play that you have to counter. Library doesn't scare me as much as it normally would, but with a deck like uh, Josh's. I don't know, man. I, I think Josh on on the cast here is right. That's that's a big deal. Those libraries. Hmm. Yeah. Now, what do you think about this card, the former French statesman Talleyrand? Love it. I've played against it with him, and uh, it's pretty darn good with all those spells he has, particularly Gush. I don't it, understand it can why take he's over a game it. very quickly. Why is he playing that when he could be playing Frost Titan? That's true. No, six casting costs is a lot for this deck, but yeah, point taken. It's only two more, though, I mean. I'm totally yeah. being facetious. I yeah. Think, I think Talran's great here. Um, it's, it's definitely, we, you know... We caught that. Huh? We caught the facetious connotation there. Okay, good. We were rolling with you, buddy. Thanks, dude. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, do you think he's going to be able to get Talrand out there? And you think that's going to be something he wants to play when he knows he's facing down Oath? No, he just wants to combo off. I think. Agreed. I I think his sideboard's going to be full yeah. of a lot of creatures after game one. Probably. I think he's bringing in the. Blast, the Grudge, the Pyroblast, the Lightning Bolt, uh, 4K, Sours obviously. Sours are awesome for him out of the board. Yeah. Still a lot of mana, though. Good. So, Go ahead and show, tell that into play. Well, I mean, we earmarked as the important cards here for the Wild Dog... Uh, Gush, Force of Will, and Snapcaster. And for Mooncon, it's Oath of Druids, Abrupt Decay, and Thoughtseize. And I think that's pretty interesting. I think Force of Will is just as important for Mooncon as it is for the Wild Dog, to be honest. Because, I, I don't know, man. I, I actually think Mental Misstep might be one of the most important cards for Mooncon. Just because all of the Wild Dog stuff, if he's not comboing off, is built on one man of things be it a Delver, be it a Fast Bond, whatever it is. Excellent point, Zach. And Thoughtseize doesn't... 
and Thoughtseize doesn't give you the same utility against someone like the Wild Dog because he's got those Snapcasters to be able to recur his stuff. So, unless you're actually taking the Snapcaster. Abrupt um, Decay is a killer on those Graft Diggers. That is true. Yeah, well, well, there you have what it. Do you, what, do you guys, what do you guys picks on this one? You to choose a winner here. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going. We're going there. I picked a wild dog. That's only because you named Josh. Yep. Makes it easy. All right, I'm picking Mooncon because Josh picked a wild dog. Nice. Andy, it comes down to you yep. as the tiebreaker. Wow, it's it's going to be tough. I, I think I'm going to give. Uh, my gut tells me the wild dog is going to win this one. It's going to it's going to be tight, very very tight. But I'm going to give the dog the on this. I might switch to. So there you go. Okay, so, I'll take the dog along. <laughs> so so you got that dog. Next. You got that dog all by yourself. <laughs> Alright, let's segue right there into the vintage view, folks. We have got a very sweet and complex build for you today on Doomsday. Any you guys ever played this before? I want to. I have not played with it in a tournament. But I have messed with yeah. it a, a bit. <laughs> How about you, Zach? I haven't messed with it you at all. You should, man. Are you still from that? It's great to mess with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's definitely the kind of... So who wants... Whoa! I definitely think I would play it. Um, it's actually one of the kinds of decks that I've been waiting for in Vintage and... This is this is you know just the unfair ridiculous decks you can't play in any other format. I think it would be fun. I don't think Legacy Doomsday is a real deck, so I think Vintage Doomsday is the real, the real deal. I think it'd be cool. What's the uh, what's the kill condition here? If you don't mind me asking. So Lab Maniac is your kill. You Doomsday creating a pile with cards like Mental Note and Unearth and a draw spell in it. Uh, mental note puts your lab maniac in the graveyard and you unearth it and draw with zero cards in your library and win the game right there. That's it. it seems like a it's precarious a fragile, condition. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very fragile. But I think you've got, uh, got... You've got ways to go more resilient with it. You can build counter magic into your pile if you need to. I'm kind of surprised. He only runs two moxes? Uh, maybe he doesn't have more. This is a top eight list, so... Well, it's you know. definitely interesting. I think these kind of decks are sweet, just because all the cards... Look, look how many ones there are in this deck. I mean, look at the left-hand side. Outside of the the helpers and the combo stoppers, it's all singletons, baby. That's awesome. It uh, 
builds on the variants. I think it, it, it really gives your deck a lot of uh, depth when, you, when you're able to do that. But I don't know, man. This uh, it, it looks scary. It's not the kind of deck that I would just be comfortable with playing for an hour or two. I'd have to really learn the deck. Yeah, this is. I've built the deck uh, in classic, ported it over, and I've played it thirty times probably. And it is a complex deck. I mean, you really got to think through your stuff, and you've got to know how to stack your cards. And I can't tell you how many times I made. I had it, and I just made errors in the, my my pile and the way I placed them back and lost. So it's definitely a deck that takes a lot of practice. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, yep, definitely. That. Test it out before you take it into a tournament, I would say. Good advice. Otherwise, you'll be building piles without a kill condition in it, and uh, no one likes exiling their entire library and not having a way to actually win the game. Yeah, it's always tough. It's, yeah, tough. I mean, mm, it's, it's interesting to see... It's always like, damn, I'm just like putting four cards on the bottom and I'm not even drawing one of them right now. Go. Well, it's, you know, you make simple mistakes like not cracking a fetch land before you doomsday. And realizing, oh, there's no more lands in my library. Yeah, that's no bueno. Uh, now, as Steve Menendian says, if you want to play with the cool kids, this is the way to do it. You're playing uh, Doomsday. You're winning with this list. You cannot win a cooler way than that. And I agree with them. This is a, a very, very cool deck. I don't know. Flashing Rectum is pretty sweet. Yeah. But what have? Pretty good. So, are you guys ready to move into this community spotlight that we have tonight with Uvatha? Yeah, I'm excited, man. Well, so Andy, what? what's his name and where does he live? Well, his name is Uvapa, and his real name is Tim, and he lives in Copenhagen, Denmark, which unfortunately is in a time zone that doesn't see much action in the tournament practice room. Actually, there's no amount of time that uh, you get a lot of practice in the tournament practice room these days of Classic. And it's a good thing about Denmark, though, is the abundance of approachable blonde bombshells, which also explains why I play online and not paper magic, because as we all know, paper magic is the premier form of birth control for young males in Dungeons & Dragons. I think that's uh, pretty wise advice there, Vatha. Yeah, definitely. So uh, how did he become interested in Classic in the first place? Well, he played Paper Magic, Josh. Thank you for asking. Back when the Dark and the Fallen Empires were new sets. Some years later, he stumbled upon MTGO, and he played on and off in the casual room forever. And he uh, also dabbled with increasingly strange combo decks. But many of the players in there suffer from the Goldilocks Syndrome and always seem to think that their deck is either too good, bad, unfair, slow, quick, full of counters to discard Landy compared to their standards and will whine about it. Well, uh, that is very true. That's why we don't play in the cavalry room. In the end, I turned up to the dark side and also wanted to play with counters, discard Landy, but on an even playing field. In the beginning, he only had the cards for green-white hate bears, and he later got staples and never looked back. 
classic and soon vintage is where he belongs. And the players understand it's a gentleman's game, what he likes. Once you go broken, you never go back, baby. So... Let me take it. So if you could play any classic deck, what would it be? Well, he has great respect for Dreads, Shops, and Affinity, but they are not for him, as his real interest is the remaining archetypes, and he can build pretty much all of them with his card pool that he now has. He tends to play aggro control and fish decks, even though he has all the broken combos in his collection. He still needs LEDs for vintage, so perhaps burning long once vintage hits us will be on his wish list and something else compared to what he usually plays. What's your favorite MTGO accomplishment, whether it relates to tournament play, deck innovation, or community involvement? Well, thank you for asking, and Josh, appreciate your support. So besides the top eight spot in the You're class, welcome. please, back, I have, he hasn't actually played uh, in that many tournaments. The event stopped firing shortly after he got his place at a Force of Wills and other non-hate bear staples. What he takes the most pride in is independently arriving at the conclusion that Porcelain Legionnaire is a beast against shops, uh, pre-affinity era, uh, pre era, that dodges spheres and can kill a lodestone golem, and that Stony Silence can make most growing affinity players cry, and I will attest to that. That is true on all accounts. He plays those tournament practice room long before he noticed other players playing them, and I, he later discovered on the Mana Drain that they are vintage staples too. And I played against Uvatha when he was playing those cards early on, and um, as I stated, I fully agree they are very good against shops and affinity. Yeah. Would you say that that uh, Stony Silence is one of the more underplayed cards? Absolutely. Nobody's playing it hardly. It's good against so many cards uh, that people play in their regular decks: Saw Rings, Time Vault, Skull Clamps, Metal Workers, Staffs. Staffs and in, staffs obedience, helm obedience. It just hits so many things. It's it's a really good card. Yeah, it's it's definitely cool hearing about Uvatha. I mean, he's like one of those guys. He's he's been around a long time, but I didn't personally know much about him. I've played about him. I've played against him a bunch, but he's always been nice and uh, he's super competitive. So it's definitely cool to hear about guys like this. Um, yeah, he got back to me right away, and he was like, <laughs> English isn't my first language. Read through this, you know, make sure there's no spelling errors. So it was, it was good to hear from him. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, uh, next week we got all our big matches coming up. We're going to hopefully get some more coverage of, uh, of the ones that are going to be at the bottom of this article. Um, not of those specifically, but of more matches like them. Um Anything planned besides that this week, guys? Nope. Maybe some limited. Yeah, I'm going to start working on uh, QPs, baby. i got to get those savannas. I qualified I mean, for, uh, uh, for this season, so yay. I'm going to try to get a foil lotus cobra. We'll see. It's sealed. Is it different art now? Yeah, it's sick. It's the um, it's actually really good looking. Hold on. I'll... Uh, I'll link you guys when we'll put it in the article too. Um, let's see. <clears throat> the promo art's from that chick who who did Force of Will, I think. Oh, she sounds great. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Uh, where is it? There it is. Check this out. 
Yes, that is. Yeah, that's cool. So it was a, I think it was a judge promo before or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I have seen that before. I don't like it as much as the other one. No, you, you wouldn't. But I, you know, it's yeah. still good. Well, see, the the thing is, the other one's in the uh, in the same frame anyway, and I love Therese Nielsen. She's pretty badass with her artwork. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna definitely get two more or three more if I don't do well in the in the mocks and get a foil. Yeah, good luck, Zach. Hopefully you can uh, win the tournament. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'd, I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably split and go for the second place because I wouldn't want to go in the big tournament. Yeah, that's scary, man. Well, it's not scary. I just don't want to do it. Doesn't oh. sound fun. I don't have real cards, so. That's true. That would be a problem. I got some basic lands I can lend you. Thanks, dude. Just let me log in here and I'll play against you. <laughs> I don't think that works. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I got my account. Hold on. Anyway. So, um, uh, we should probably mention to keep the challenges in mind if we ever fire an actual daily event again. Is that ever going to happen before Vintage comes online? Uh, maybe. If guys like Uvatha are buying playsets of Force of Will, at some point they might want to use them. Definite. Uh, so yeah, go get that hundred tickets. Yep. So as always, we want to thank our uh, hosts and our sponsors, PureMTGO.com and MTGOTraders.com, respectively. Um, other than that, take it easy, guys. I'll see you next week. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Have a good week. Toodaloo. Josh, you are a p.